This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. And a special welcome to my special guest. I've got Sean Patil here. Say hello. Good morning to our uh, listeners. Yeah, exactly. Happy Frank. To be here. Well, I'm so happy you are here. Frank is away. He's gone off to Chicago to do some touring about. So my special guest has come here all the way from Humber Nurseries. Many of you will know Sean if you've shopped at Humber Nurseries, but if you haven't, you're going to want to put that location on your schedule very shortly because Sean is just a great guy. He knows a lot. And of course, I love Humber Nurseries. It's like a destination like none other. Thank you, Charlie. I always say, pack a lunch. Yes. <laughs> Make it a day. It is one large garden center, and it's, I mean, you don't even have to pack a lunch. You guys have a restaurant, but, you know, bring a raincoat, bring a bring sunscreen, bring whatever you need, and make a day of it, because it is beautiful and big and just so worth wandering through. She is closed for the season. Uh, she will probably reopen. Uh, the company's called More Than Just Wieners. Uh, we call it Taste Buds. <laughs> oh, right. A okay. little uh, floral. Uh, oh, right. So, you, so we twist. do need to pack a lunch then right now. Yes, oh, uh, okay. 24 acres. I know, uh, it's so, huge. Yeah. 24 acres, make a day of it. So we'll talk more about what's going on at Humber, but I, we typically always start the show with a little bit about what's going on in the gardening world upcoming this week. So for example, today, the Scarborough Garden and Horticultural Society is hosting their annual annual judged flower, vegetable, and fruit show. <laughs> I got the word annual in here twice. Uh, the fruit show is going on from 2 until 4 p.m. this afternoon. Free admission, Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. As well, today and tomorrow, the Hamilton Dahlia and Chrysanthemum Society is hosting their Dahlia show. It's at the Royal Botanical Gardens in Burlington. Uh, today it's from 1 until 8 p.m., tomorrow from 10 to 3, and they sell the blooms at 3.30, the Dahlia blooms. So that is a knock-your-socks-off kind of an event. It's totally worth going to, and if you can you know, manage to get a hold of some of those blooms to take home, you will love that. Now, I'm pretty busy this coming week as well. This Monday evening, I'm speaking at the Penetanguishene Horticultural Society meeting in the arena, 61 Maria Street, 7 p.m., and my topic is Great Gardens with Less Water. Sort of a funny topic after this kind of a season we've had, but still we've had some very dry summers and seasons like last year. And the following evening, Tuesday... September 19th, I'm again on the road. Uh, This time I'm at the Mount Albert Community Center. 7 p.m. the meeting starts and my topic is designing with trees. So I am just all over the map. Sounds awesome. How much fun is that? Jam-packed full week. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, and I'm teaching as well. I didn't get a chance to yes. tell you. Mondays, I'm at Durham College. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, teaching greenhouse management, entomology, plant pathology, and horticultural principles. 
So, yeah. Dinner plate is full. (laughs) You're right. Exactly. So, listen, we'll just take a very short break. We'll be right back. Sean is standing by. He's pretty excited. As you pointed out, you've never done radio before, so it's really fun to have you here. Total radio virgin. So, uh, please go easy on me, folks. Ask the tough questions. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back in just a few minutes right after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. I just realized I Frank's not here, and we didn't give out the phone numbers. So, Sean, can Absolutely. you be frank, please? They, they need that. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be the sous chef today. Okay. Uh, so locally, in training. calling. <laughs> uh, sous chef in training, yes. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I can do a risotto con funghi porcini. Uh, so locally, 416-360-0740. And if you're calling long distance, please call us at 1-866-740-4740. There it is. Thank you. And let's go to our first-time caller, who is really, it's Steve calling in from Mississauga. He's number one on the list, and he's really a first-time caller. So welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. Now, I don't have the bell here, but here you go. ding a ling a ling ling Wowie zowie. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Frank takes it with him on holidays. What can I say? <laughs> I'm curious what he's ringing these days, uh, yeah, down <laughs> in Chicago. But um, the reason I'm calling, uh, mm-hmm. uh, help me in when it comes to the clematis. Mm-hmm. What should I be doing and when? It's a ruby glow hybrid. Planted about five years ago. It's about eight feet tall when it, uh, when it does its magic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, early in the, the spring. Does it bloom early in the spring? The reason, well, relatively speaking, it, until some downpour managed to uh, take off all the uh, the lovely lavender blooms. And are they are the blooms flat? Yeah, sort of star well, yeah, shaped. I would say so. so it probably starts blooming in about June. Okay, well, I, you no, know, it's technically spring. Yeah, no, it is for sure. You know why? Because I'm just uh, Sean. Do you know Ruby Glow? Does that off come? the top of my head? No. Um, we sort of anticipated that this was going to be the question because there's three groups, mm-hmm. and those are the uh, groups that get cut back down to ground level or near ground level. There are those groups that uh, you don't want to cut down at all, and then there are some that are optional. So right. uh, hence why uh, Charlie's asking. Yeah. The, the bloom period, so we're trying to indicate whether or not it grows on either old growth or new growth, and that will tell us uh, what we're supposed to do. So we're looking at it, at, uh, it up right now, thanks to modern technology <laughs> and, and Google. Uh, uh, watch this. But so just it's a group two. It yeah, it is so group there two. we go, group two, and so we're supposed to remove dead and damaged stems before growth begins in early spring, trim all remaining stems to strong buds, right. and of course deadhead to encourage more flowers later in the season so what that means is one day in when it's a nice dry day in the spring you chop the whole mess right down to about six inches tall in the spring in the sp- okay. yeah leave it alone for the winter and and the advantage of doing this pruning in the spring is that you'll get lots more new growth and the flowers form on the new growth so you'll have a much more floriferous vine if you trim it down in the spring enjoy it for the whole spring Spring, summer, fall, leave it for the winter and the next spring. Just a once a year trim. That's all you do. Okay. And how far back, you said? I go down to about six inches tall. Fair enough. If you really are doing a proper job, you'll go down to sets of buds. They like little, they look, they're the size of little mouse ears. They're little furry buds, pairs of them, and you've you trimmed just above the pair of right. little furry buds in the spring. Currently, uh, the, well, what's left of it is, is doing its, uh, 
it's best to support all the um, the morning glories. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, it has a dual purpose, as it were, as a trellis at this stage. And it's a very pretty plant, too, just looking at here, ruby glow, nice and yeah. bright. Good stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. That, that's, what, that's the story on when to prune. Thanks, folks. I appreciate your expertise and your time. <laughs> Our thank pleasure. A uh, quick little mention on the phone numbers again. Give us a call at 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. And look, we have Rebecca calling in from Bowmanville. Good morning, Rebecca. Hi there. What's going on at your place? My lawn has turned orange. <laughs> so cute. Both Sean and I looked at each other and said, we know what that is. Go what? ahead, Sean. Yes, Rebecca. So in all likelihood, you have a condition. It's a, it's a fungal condition known as rust. Um, as you know, within the last decade or so, the provincial government has banned all uh, cosmetic pesticides, which is not a bad thing. Uh, so your, your question may be, how do I deal with this fungal issue? Well, yeah, we or use... is it going to be a problem like next spring? or Potentially not. And this is the, the interesting things when it comes to uh, fungal infestations and or issues with insects as in the example of aphids. And that is a lot of these things are very, very cyclic. So they can be really, really bad one year. And this year we are seeing... Uh, a proliferation of disease and mm-hmm. insect problems, mm-hmm. and then it could be, be. Pardon me. Is, is it insects or fungal? No, this is fungal in yeah. this particular case. But oh, both okay. both insects and fungi, as organisms, can be very very cyclical. So you can yeah. have them really badly one year, and then four or five years may go on before they have a reoccurrence. Exactly. So environmental um, based, and this exactly. has been a very wet, humid, yes. growing season. So we're seeing okay. tons of fungal diseases on tons of plants. Now there is something you can do, and I wouldn't really do it this year if this issue. Uh, is is a problem. Let's just let let's go to winter. Winter is sort of the reset switch that I say for our gardens and for and for Mother Nature. But if this happens earlier in the season, we do a process called a grow out. And what you use then is a, a high nitrogen fertilizer. So one of those numbers where the first number is 28, 29, yeah. 30%. And the reason for it is because the rate of growth of the fungus is actually less than grass. So if we can get the grass to grow rapidly. Faster than the rust. Exactly. We can then put our bag onto our lawnmower and, of course, then mulch that off and, and contain it within the bag and dispose. We don't want to use that, uh, that uh, grass clipping back on our, on our yard. But we can do that. We can do that grow-out procedure hmm. and rid of it. Well, and, you, and we always – I'm a big fan of fertilizing the lawn in the fall anyway, so I would definitely schedule that, um, Rebecca, in your lawn care over the next month. Uh, as well, if you are putting a sprinkler out or there's any kind of irrigation on your lawn, make sure that's happening very early in the day so that the lawn is nice and dry before the sun sets. And that will also limit the growth of the rust. But it's, it'll, it'll die off in the winter. It's a whole new year next year. You don't start in the spring with rust on the lawn. It's just the conditions have, have really made it happen. Yeah, for, know, it's disappeared in the last 10 days. Well, for anybody who's listening and is wondering how we're back, how did you figure out what, what this orange stuff is your is it does it look orange your lawn or is it when you walk on it on my shoes and the hems of my pants that's what i thought and i kept coming in and going I haven't walked through any goldenrod or any curry yeah, powder. Yeah, but my shoes like are orange. You're you're not alone, Rebecca, and, and it's quite common that at the nursery I'll have five, six, seven, maybe even a, a 
two dozen people come in within a 48-hour period, mm-hmm. all with the exact same symptoms. And oh, okay. we have already started seeing uh, this problem with the rust in the in the last five days. And then I realized that it was the grass. And I'm like, yes. oh, my God, like my dogs are out on it. It's okay for them. Oh, yeah. It's, yes. it's not going to hurt any animals. It's just okay. something that lives on the on the grass. And it's temporary. It'll. It's been quite dry lately. You'll find, so like I say, a whole new year next year. So thanks for calling. And I'm sure a bunch of people are are glad you called as well because I that's something like to remind people to feed the birds because there are no crab apples this year true good point good point the the crab apples have lost their leaves and in many cases have lost the fruit Afforded as well fruit, yeah. so yeah that's a very good point so um mark that on your calendar as well keep the feeders full so listen we have to take a short break we'll be right back with more callers Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. I was just saying to Sean, my hostas look so ugly this year. We had serious, serious hail in Richmond Hill back in June, which shredded all the large-leafed hostas, coleus, etc. And then the slugs and snails have been just partying every single night. They're out dancing on the driveway this morning as I got my car. Off you go. We're hungry. We're going to eat. <laughs> it's like, oh, the poor hostas. I feel sorry for them. All right. Here we go. Back to our callers. We've got Julie on the line calling from Scarborough. Good morning, Julie. Hi, good morning. How are you? Great. What's Great. going on at your place? Yeah, I, I have a, I think it's called a Phalaenopsis orchid. Phalaenopsis? Yes. <laughs> Just call it a moth orchid. That's the yes. easier. Yes. And I was told I, I put three I put three ice cubes up per week, mm-hmm. and it was blooming for the longest time. My son gave me this for, as a gift, and it was so lovely. And for the longest time, it's been blooming. Now, finally, the blooms are starting to fall off. I'm just wondering, what do I do next? Sean, you want to go ahead? Yes, Julie. Okay. So, and not to make things more confusing, and, I, and I'm really good at doing that, uh, Typically, I don't use the, the three ice cube technique. I use tepid water, and it, it may sound, you know, contradictory to what the instructions that came with oh. the with the orchid. And the and the reason being is the phalaenopsis or moth orchid comes from areas like the Philippines, uh, you know, where they don't see glacial um, <laughs> uh, meltwater. I just feel sorry for their little roots getting so cold, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So I use tepid water, same way that you would test sort of uh, a baby's bottle and the milk on your on your wrist. Very comfortable water. But let's uh, let's address the issue. So the orchid is done. There's two done flowering. Done flowering. Sorry, yes. Done flowering. I, I, and it's got a long life ahead of it. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. Okay. Now, what you can do is if you look along the stem below the, the flowers, you will see that there are these nodes. They're almost like swelling, swollen protuberances. Green bumps. Yes. <laughs> you can choose one of those. Okay. And if you choose one of those, you can cut just above by about a centimeter or two. And what this will give you is some really quick satisfaction. So within a a couple of months, it'll send out another little spike and you will have five or six flowers and and you'll you'll get to enjoy that. What I do with my orchids at home personally is I cut cut that inflorescence, that flowering stem, all the way down to the base where it originates from the plant to about one centimeter and that is it. Mm -hmm. Then it's a waiting game and we're waiting 
approximately one year. I know it sounds like a long time, but it's oh. approximately one year. January, hopefully, if not this year, the following year, you'll develop a spike. By March, that spike will start to open with the lower flowers and then should last you if it's really happy in that location for three to four months. Mm -hmm. oh. So the other thing, though, that people tell me is that they've had orchids for many, many, many years that have never reflowered. And the first question I give, ask them is, what's the temperature of the house? Oh, it's warm. It's 25 degrees. Yeah, it's too warm. The, yeah, yeah, and that is the problem. <clears throat> orchids, in order to bloom, need some sort of seasonal change. And so what you need to do is lower the thermostat or crack open a window and allow the temperature of the room to drop down to about 19 or 17 degrees Celsius. Do you, do you fertilize your orchids? I do. I love Schultz. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah. Schultz is going to love that, me yeah, saying yeah, no that. Kidding. But I so love that's Schultz. seven drops per liter, and it's the orchid fertilizer? Or I just use the, the orchid yeah, one, yeah. yeah. And it's and it, it's actually one of those water-soluble powders mm. oh. uh, that you have to dilute down with water. I was thinking water. Schultz was the it does. They dropper. do have that, too, and right. I love that for their tropical yeah. foliage plants okay. and, their, and their succulents. But with the Schultz, it's a 1931-17 composition, mm -hmm with that higher middle number or, or phosphate, and that really helps in the promotion of, uh, in, of bloom. Right. So we fertilize once a month. Um, I take William Kalina. Uh, he's an author of gardening books, mm -hmm. and his advice is to water weekly. Mm -hmm. Weekly. In other words, almost with every watering, mm -hmm. he will put down, he'll add the fertilizer, but at half the recommended rate. Right. So Do this for about three consecutive weeks when you're doing your regular waterings, mm -hmm. and then every fourth or fifth watering is straight tepid water to flush out any of the mineral salts. The salts that build yeah. up. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, so, okay. Well, that's a bit complicated. Bottom line is do, do add some fertilizer, and I'm a big fan of the tepid water thing too, but I understand. The reason the ice cubes kind of works is because it's that slow melt which right. slowly percolates down right. through the bark as opposed to just whooshing right through. Yeah, I, Either way. True. There true. you go, Julie. Tons of information and right. just so everybody knows, in case we're giving too much information too fast, you can always re-listen to the show. We are I podcast. Uh, you don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. Just go to any computer, go to the AM740 website, look under podcasts and there's the garden show. Every show there has been archived and we're also on iTunes. We are that cool. We're on iTunes. Okay. Let's see who we've Thanks, got Julie. next here. Uh, M is calling us from New York, from Eden, New York. Good morning, M. Good morning. Hi. My uh, perennial garden did quite well this year, and I had some uh, annuals filled in. Uh, wax begonias bordering the whole garden mm -hmm. and some um, angel begonias. Oh, yeah. They Good year for those. So well, and I was hoping maybe somehow could I save any of them towards next year, and how would I go about that? Okay, good question. Uh, first off, Em, can you turn your radio down? I think we're getting some feedback from your radio and... It's not on. Oh, oh that was such a funny... Oh, maybe it's a... Um... It's all the way from New York. Oh, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. It's just that under-the-water yeah. transatlantic lines. I'm kidding. All right, no, that sounds a little better. So what would be worth keeping? These All these things are in the garden, right? None of them are in pots. Right. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I, I would try the begonias. A lot of the begonias, a lot of the things that we call annuals are, in fact, have a perennial life mm -hmm. cycle, and we just treat them as Because mm -hmm. they die in the frost. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And when you've got something that you enjoy, something like a begonia, which is a, tro a tropical plant, mm -hmm. certainly tr it's worth bringing it in. I would probably bring it in, reduce well, the watering. Okay, so first you've got to dig them up. 
Yes. Right. So you dig them up out of the ground. You've got to have clean pots and some fresh potting soil available. I wouldn't remove all the garden soil from the roots because that's just going to be far too stressful on the plants. But you will want to make sure that you've got some well-drained potting soil going into the pots along with the garden soil that's going to travel with the plants. Water thoroughly once after this transplanting and then really let those plants dry down a long ways before you water again. Uh, So it could be weeks and weeks before you water again after that potting up process. Bringing them indoors, a bright spot would be preferable. Do you have like a southern or western location, a window at all? Yeah, I better build shelves because there's a lot of begonias. <laughs> I bet there are how many? Like hundreds or Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. The well, border. The border goes yeah. the entire length. Well, I mean, you could They're do that. So healthy right now. I hate to lose all of them. I know. Right. Well, so certainly try and save some. I don't know if you want to save all of them. And, you know, there, I know of situations where, do you have a, a like a local horticultural society there in Eden? I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. You know why? Because sometimes like hort societies have access to over like winter storage in unused greenhouses you know sometimes high schools have a greenhouse they're not using or or a garden center has a greenhouse that's empty for the winter and they will let society members overwinter or start new plants in the spring uh, as long as they're not using the greenhouse so i mean that might be worth considering if you really do want to pot that many up and you're really going to need a lot of space maybe just do a little research see if there's anything local that you could not end up with all of these in your living room and maybe have access to, to a kind of a greenhouse space, that would probably be the best. That, that is good to know. I never considered that. Wow, well, that's great. Okay, all well, right. Thank good you. luck with that, and let us know. I want an update from you on what happens to all those begonias. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks all for right. calling. All righty, here we go. We're back to Mississauga. Steve's on the line. Is this the same Steve who called us the first caller? I think it is, which is great. I would push my luck, Charlie. What can I say? That's perfect. You followed the mantra, which I didn't even say. Call early, call often, one question per caller, right? I've listened to you and Frank for some time now, so it is drilled into my noggin. Perfect. I love it. Oh, Frank's going to be so proud of you. (laughs) I hope he's listening in Chicago to this show right now. He's probably clapping and cheering. And ringing the bell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For you, ringing the bell. No, 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 I'm a second-time caller, so yeah, no, I lost the... You've got your wings now. uh, You're good to go. (laughs) Okay, so what's your second question, Steve? When it comes to the raspberry patch, it is lovely. It gets uh, a heck of a lot of sun. It's on its second uh, uh, fruit. Mm. Uh, the first one, I can't remember precisely when it came around, but you know, it's it's the kind that is doing really, really well now mm-hmm. the, with e- its second... Uh, Everbearing, I think they call those, yeah. So every morning I go out and pick a little uh, bowl full and give them to my long-suffering mom <laughs> for her, uh, her breakfast and the like. Nice. So my question specifically is what should I do in terms of overall maintenance, winterizing, uh, come the spring, etc.? Okay, you want to well, very, take very a jump hardy, on that? Hardy plants. Uh, the probably the biggest thing would be a, a selective pruning. Mm-hmm. So those old canes that have uh, had heavy fruiting this year, those get removed. Yeah, they will not bloom again. Once you've had the the flowering and fruit bearing canes, generally, particularly in a heavy bearing year like this, those get cut right down to the ground, and that can happen oh. now. Okay. Sorry, when? Now. Now on a dry day, now in the late summer, early fall. I mean, once they've finished, obviously, you don't cut okay. them down if there's still fruit on them. But once they're finished blooming and fruiting and it's just a sort of a cane with dried up little bits of this and that on it, 
chop them right down. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and staking, if you want to do some controlled staking of the, the newer shoots, the newer canes that are coming out, just to facilitate your, your picking and keeping it looking a little neater. It's true. Raspberries have a tendency to take right over, don't they? Hence Indeed, they call the but I kind of love it. I, I mean, know. To complain about nature's bounty, yeah. I know, I can't. But I know I love raspberries. All my, one of my all-time favorite fruits. So you, you had a pretty good harvest, did you? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact. And it's lovely to see it uh, coming around again, eh? Yeah, and great. And to see all the pollinators that, uh, that are doing their, their bees work uh, is, is really, really cool. Okay, so Very true. once they're finished the second time around... Yeah. Uh, Those to, uh, canes. Take them right to the ground. That's right. Fair enough. Okay. Thanks once more, folks. Thanks, oh, our Steve. pleasure. Thank Thanks for calling. All right. Where am I? Um, one, two. I, see, this is where Frank is like totally on top of these things. <clears throat> I'm missing him, you know. Uh, well, we could go. We do. We are due to take a break. So let's take a break now, Sean. When we get back, or actually, before we take a break, tell me a little bit about Humber Nurseries. You mentioned it's 24 acres. But what kind of cool sales you got going on? Like, why do I want to go there today? What what can I oh, buy that's I mean, beautiful? The nice thing is there is slightly lower beautiful. traffic, right? So you, it's not a madhouse trying to get into our parking lot. In and the we've fall, got these, yeah. yeah, and we've got these great sales going on. Uh, our operations manager, Jr. He, you know, he's always in talks with our uh, growers, our suppliers on a daily basis, multiple times per day. And what they'll do is they'll offer to us uh, a large volume of plant material, you know, 400 potentilla as mm. an example, you know, 500 spirea. Good prices. At an amazing, a, a ridiculous price. And what uh, JR will do is he will just extend that and pass that on to the customer. So we call it our annual parking lot sale. Uh. And people who are longtime customers of Humber Nurseries always ask, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And I'm always like, well, it all depends. Yeah, what's it, available? It, 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 it all depends yeah. on JR waking up and say, this morning, I'm going to start it next. <laughs> <laughs> week and then there's like four truckloads like, per day yeah, coming and in. It's, it's incredible Fill up the parking lot yeah and on top of that uh, our 27th or 28th annual ornamental grass festival oh that's so cool humber nurseries uh, has always sort of specialized in in you know and and been many of the proud, perennials yeah, yeah. prided themselves in uh, in perennials mm-hmm. and in their large selection nice. of uh, ornamental grasses how roughly how many varieties of grass does does humber carry i think at, at some points we're up to about 150 to 200 different okay. varieties different varieties of largely. ornamental grasses yes. now, amazing lots of miscanthus out there mm-hmm. uh and yeah of course the the one that everyone plants, Carl Forster, Featherweed, yeah, you know, but, and, and there's so many wonderful native grasses mm-hmm. out there, uh, Panicum vergatum or a switchgrass, North Wind, beautiful substitute mm-hmm. for that Carl uh, Forster, oh, and yeah. it's native, so, you know, phenomenal. And yeah. one that I, I badmouthed at the beginning of the year when I first saw it was <laughs> um, Ruby Ribbons. Oh. I said, this plant does nothing for me. Why did we get rid of Is it like the blood grass? Very similar, yeah. um, but you know that, that gift wrapping where you take the gift oh, wrapping yeah, curl, and you, and you run it ribbons. through, yeah, but yeah. with incredible, intense purple red uh, coloration. Wow! Uh, at the beginning of the year, it wasn't displaying that. I was so upset that we we had brought it in and sort of gotten rid of Prairie Fire. I still love Prairie Fire. I still mm. love the old stand yeah. by Shenandoah, but please, the ruby ribbons, it just stands out. Wow! And you can always, Bright red, uh, purple, intense, oh, purpley. Red, just 
a, a wonderful plant. And interesting texture, like you say. It's interesting like with the, texture. With the yep. curls. Our other native, uh, little blue stem, mm. a phenomenal plant. Beautiful. Holds itself upright, has that glaucous sort of coloration to it, or that sort of that blue tinge. Yeah. And then has those shades of orange and pink and purple as the season progresses. Right. Then going to that wonderful soft tan color. So For the winter. Fun, yeah. Well, that's what we love about ornamental grasses. They are so beautiful in every season. And once a year in the spring, yeah. Cut them down. That's it. Yes, that's, that's all you have it. to do. And it's, of course, we've got talk about low maintenance. Lynn, Lori, and Parm, the ladies in the vegetable house, and you know they're getting ramped up for next year. So, so a shout out to them. Shout out to them, and uh, please. And I hope up. they have the radio on right well, now. I'm guaranteed, Lynn and Lori do, <laughs> and I think Parm as well. But they will have our uh, veggie house stocked up and our herbs stocked up come uh, for April next year. Yes, yeah. But right now, what's what's cool, like you're saying, is some of these great perennials, some very good mm-hmm. deals in the parking lot. Yeah, for sure. And before we leave, we're going to make sure that we give the the address so people can find Humber Nurseries. But I can tell anybody who's interested, the website very simple. GardenCenter.com. Doesn't get easier than that. All right, we'll be right back after this. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are. And again, welcome, Sean. We're having fun, aren't we? Absolutely. This is a great Saturday morning. You are a natural going to have to get you back in again. Sounds good. Okay, doke. Next question is Sylvia is giving us a call from Elmville. Where's Elmville, Sylvia? Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted a question about uh, um, hydrangea bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do you cut them down at all? I was. I had heard different things that you don't cut them down. Okay, first let's clarify what kind of hydrangea. Or uh, It's with the white flowers. <laughs> are they round? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Sean. Okay. <laughs> so if we're talking about what they refer to as an Annabelle, which is sort of the old fashioned ones I that think you that's what it is. Annabelle, okay. yeah. Or so, Incredible, that's what it, I've got. It, right, which are the new sort of selections and cultivars of the arborescence. What you can do with those ones, it's really simple. They get cut back all the way down to the ground. Oh, do they? Oh. They do. In yeah. the spring. In the spring, yes. Oh. So all the way back down, and then what they'll do is they will set up a very, very rapid flush of growth, and then they should flower on the, on the tops of, uh, of each of those stems next oh. year. Yes. Um, so you don't cut it down in the fall at all? No. In the spring is probably the preferred time. At Humber, my boss has me do that just because we get too busy in yeah. spring. You okay. can cut in the fall. But the thing is, if you leave, you get the beautiful... If you oh, See, the yes. blooms look great in the winter. They turn yeah. all bronzy and they just, they're all puffy and pretty. And I like leaving them for the winter. Okay. And then in the spring, when the f- plants start to grow, you can see where the green is coming from the root, little green buds, and the okay. lower portion of those, those stems that are still sticking up out of the ground. And I basically cut everything down to the lowest common denominator just to and make a nice they, shape. Uh, I see that they, um, when you, I guess when they, get cut down. I see them now in different colors. Now, is that because they're cut down? Is no, it's the oh. different varieties and, oh, and sometimes people like to play with the pH of their soil and then they can get some modified colors. But the oh. Annabelle is white. You're not going to... Oh. You might get a bit of pinky as the nights are getting cooler. Oh, we'll I sometimes see. get some pinky happening on the white. But okay. to get the real purples and blues and all that, right. that's all pH and that's other varieties other than Annabelle. I see. But okay. you take a visit out to Humber Nurseries, and you'll be able to pick up all kinds of cool hydrangeas. That Where, I can guarantee. Is it? In just outside Brampton. Oh, in that area. Yeah. I see. Okay. All righty. Yeah. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, the next question, um, both of us might have to kind of um, scratch our heads. We have Ian on the line from Hamilton, and he's a first-time caller. So, ding, 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 you have your wings. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? Oh, for an old man, not bad. <laughs> you don't uh, sound too old to me. about poison oak. Yeah. How do I get rid of it? Well, how do you know you've got it? Well, let's see. It's the purple flowers, red berries, leaves of trees, leaves and bees. Oh, and is it a vine? Yes, it is. It's not poison oak. It's called no. deadly nightshade. Really? Yeah. That's de- okay. deadly nightshade. It's a member of the same family as the tomatoes and the potatoes. Do you have a, the leaves are actually quite similar to a potato leaf. Uh, yes, it is. The berries can be poisonous. Um, it's, yeah, purple flowers, small purple, quite pretty, deep purple flowers with a yellow center and then red berries afterwards. And it's yep. very commonly gets going into our gardens. Best thing to do is follow the vine. Just move through the garden until you can find where the root is and dig it up, root and all. That's the best way to get rid of it. And it's not too hard to do, uh, even if it's been there for a couple of years, hiding in the back corner there. You can usually dig down and get the root out fairly easily. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So that, and if you... If you wanted to look that up at all, yeah, Deadly Nightshade, which is a good name for it because it does sound just as bad as Poison Oak. Yeah, Solanum, Solanum, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All righty. Okay, Th- thank you much. Thanks, thanks Ian. Ian. Thanks for your call. Okay, tech, uh, Growing Radishes. Bob in Orangeville. Good morning, Bob, and another first-time caller. Ding, oh, my goodness. Ding, 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 ding. I'll ding, do ding. it too this time. Yeah, exactly. You have your wings. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. That's great. So uh, the reason I'm calling is I'm having trouble when I'm growing the radishes or or some of the other uh, like uh, parsnip and that to get any growth down. It's Mm. just a fine root and that's it. All right. Sean, got any ideas? Yeah, I'm curious. Do you utilize fertilizer? And if so, what sort of fertilizer, if you're doing it organically, are you using a manure? I'm using manure. Okay. So, Bob, what I think might be happening is there might be excessive nitrogen. And if oh. you have excessive nitrogen, you'll get lots of top growth. Uh, and actually, you'll, in the case of carrots, you get deformed or, or you get forked uh, tap roots, which is, of course, undesirable when you're growing uh, a root vegetable. So just be very, very careful. Uh, if you want to continue on the road of doing something organically, do so. Just make sure that whatever uh, formulation or analysis is conducted on that fertilizer, you want something with a higher middle number and very, very low in the first number on the fertilizers. Okay. Yeah, and how, what's your soil like? Is it like a clay soil or is it a sandy soil? It, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a fairly sandy soil. Oh, yeah. okay, interesting. Yep. So, I mean, yep. manure is great. Composted manure, of course, you know, well yes. composted is great because it does add that important organic material. It will help with water retention in the case of a really sandy soil. But I wonder if maybe incorporating some bone meal in at the same time might be a good idea. Just like you said, get some of that phosphorus in, get a little more balance exactly. into the, And if all else fails, Soil test, soil test, soil test. His, his soils are ideal. I, I know the area. I've got yeah. a sister in Paul Grave and my sister there, and, it, and it's very sandy. So it's ideal for the root yeah, growing no vegetables. Kidding. So that's my only thing is probably, probably I'm wondering if there's too, too much, much nitrogen yeah. and uh, not enough phosphorus. Okay. There you go, okay. Bob. 
Okay, one, yeah, I'll phone you on another question later. Perfect. Thank you. Speaking of which, I should just give the numbers quickly here. For If anybody wants to try and get a hold of us, we are only here for a mere 10 more minutes. Locally, we're 416-360-0740 and toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, and look, this is so great. M has called back from Eden, New York. Two callers today have called twice. Just shows you how smart people can be when they follow instructions. Good morning again, M. Or not so smart, (laughs) (laughs) while uh, making room for what I want to save this year, Mm -hmm. I have unearthed thousands of old seeds, packets that were never opened, uh, four trays of deadheaded marigolds, an enormous amount of seeds uh, from two years or more. Mm. Do I dare put those in the compost bin or feed them to the birds? (sighs) How do I get rid of all these? Huh. Wow, good question. Okay, so M, that's actually an excellent question. Mm-hmm. All seeds, like anything else, have a shelf, shelf life. life. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, they'll lose their viability. Some, Some seeds are very fast to lose their like viability. Like corn. Yeah. Uh, right? You look at grass seed as an example, and it loses 20% of its viability year over year. So after a few years, you're, you're down to, let's put it this way, don't expect a lot to germinate. But I would probably just broadcast them out if some do go to the birds if some go to feeding uh you know and mother nature's Mm -hmm. uh creatures so be it and then if the other ones uh receive that cold moist stratification period over our natural winters Mm -hmm. um you'll you'll See them in the spring pop I'll up. Have hopefully, flowers growing all over the lawn. Yes, potentially. <laughs> that could be really pretty. Yeah. So it's an experiment. Isn't yeah, it? that's what it's boiling it down to. But you know, I, instead of just tossing them out, or if you do cost, uh, toss them into the compost heat, same thing. Who knows? They could grow They'll in there grow too. On that. Exactly. Yeah, or not, depending. Yeah, exactly. but it, but they are organic, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with adding them to the organic to the exactly. compost. Yeah, true, true. Okay, so that there's thousands, so I oh, wow. know how much trouble I'm going to get in here. That's okay. amazing. Well, that's fun. You know what you should do? What my daughter does. She's one of those gorilla gardeners so when she's out walking in downtown toronto and she sees a little bit of gravel with nothing growing in it or or some sort of waste space that's just kind of weeds she always has a few little seeds in her pocket she's always broadcasting seeds hither and yon hoping that they might grow uh you know conditions being right they might just to try and add a little bit of prettiness when it wherever she can so you, there's that option too <laughs> I'll do that after dark. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Em. That's great. Very good question. All right. We've got Roma giving us a call from Holstein. Good morning, Roma. No, Wilma. Oh, Wilma. There yes. you go. Hi, Wilma. Yes. <laughs> but that's all right. I'm wondering about calla lilies. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had these for a number of years, and I can't remember for sure whether it was a blooming pot, but I think it was just bulbs that I bought. Mm-hmm. And I planted them in a pot, but I put the pot every spring into the garden. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes it's a little late because I forget that they're in the basement. Oh, yeah. But this year, they ended up on the east side of my house in the pot. Mm -hmm. And we removed a shrub, so I decided, okay, they can come out of the pot this year. And I put them in the bed and... (laughs) I've never, I don't think I've ever had, 
well, maybe one or two years when they first were in the ground that I ever had any blooms on them. Right. <laughs> what do I do with them? <laughs> Some more. <laughs> well, if you've had them that long, I don't think you want to give up on them. They will die if they're left out for the winter. So they do need to come in at some point. What I do with any of those tender bulbs, whether it's the dahlias, the callas, the cannas, the gladiolas, any of those, if they're in the ground, just wait till we've had our first frost Mm -hmm. and the foliage has been touched by frost and drops. Once we've had that, that now the dormancy is forced on the plant and all you do is go out there with your digging fork, dig up those tubers, lay them out on some newspapers on the porch or in the carport, you know, someplace where it's dry, but still outside, and just let everything kind of dry down a bit, cut off the foliage, dust off the soil that's still attached to the tubers, and then you pack them up into some nice clean, whether it's peat moss or it's potting soil, uh, pack them up into that in paper bags, stick them down in the basement or root cellar or whatever you've got to overwinter, dormant in the dark, preferably in the cool, and remember next spring, haul them all out and pot them up again. Okay. okay. So um, basically, they they should be like probably there's maybe half a dozen bulbs that was originally, mm-hmm. and so they're probably massive for the roots now. Yeah. Would you think they or? do get bigger for sure? Oh yeah, for sure, bigger and bigger all the time. Multiplying. Yeah. Um, okay. So. They don't really need to be in soil over the winter? No, they do not. But they can't just sit out on a table. I've left them in the same pot, basically. Oh, I see. All the time and just planted the pot in the ground. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's fine. Lift the pot, wash it off, dry it down, in it goes. Okay. Yep, yep. I've done that too. I do that with um, potted bulbs all the time. And that was a trick I learned from Dougald Cameron, who used to run Garden Imports. And he would say, just pot up your bulbs and stop with all this unpotting. Leave them in the pots. Just bring them in, stick them in the garage, stick them in the shed, whatever. And haul them out again in the spring. Keep life simple. So, um, actually, our garage is insulated. Good. Um, so they could just stay in there, and if they do get touched with frost, it's not going to hurt them? As long as it doesn't get too cold. I do wrap my pots in the garage with some old blankets or old sheets just to try and insulate a little bit or, you know, whatever you've got. to just, just depends what kind of a winter we're having. All righty. Thanks, Wilma. Good luck with that. Oh, wow. There we are. We've got less than a minute. What do we need to say other than thank you, thank you, thank oh, you, no, Sean. Oh, thank you, guys. You have been no, great. This was, a, was gonna, an honor and a pleasure. Thank we're going to do this again. This sure. has been a lot of fun. So go to Humber Nurseries, meet Sean face-to-face, located at 8386 Highway 50 in Brampton. So right between Highway 7 and Highway 407, uh, gardencenter.com. I see you've got a all-new design on the yes. website. Quite beautiful. Thank you. So more information, maps on how to get there, hours of operation, gardencenter.com. And uh, thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do this without Sebastian. Yes. And we missed Frank, but we're really happy you were here to be the sous chef fill-in. You did a thank fine you. job. Thanks to all our great callers, too. Wouldn't have a show like this without them. Absolutely. It was, it was, a, it was fun. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.